Hear me okay? Oh, fantastic. Having a couple of props down the front here, doesn't it? So you'll all be looking at that rather than looking at me, but that will be revealed in time. Good morning, everybody. So, uh, as Steve has said, uh, we've got so many people that are close to being baptised. Uh, our plan was to talk on baptism this morning, and that actually isn't going to change. I'm still going to talk on baptism. Uh, it's so important that we keep sharing these truths, that we keep encouraging people, where we keep reminding ourselves why we are baptised and what that means. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Acts uh, chapter 8? If you have electronic devices, can you turn them on? And if you have neither, I'm sure it will be up here on the screen behind us. So uh, Acts chapter 8, uh, starting to read from uh, verse 26. Well-known passage, which I'm sure uh, when most people are asked to preach on baptism, this is their kind of go-to passage. So here we are now. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truths. Just pray that you'd help us to understand them and just see your heart for us this morning. Amen. What's remarkable about this passage is not Anything that happened, there's some miraculous things here. Philip is spirited away in the spirit. Philip is taken to this guy in the spirit. The miraculous things are not to do with the, the what happened. The remarkable thing about this, this passage is, is not what was said. There were some very important, very interesting things that were said. 
But the most significant, the most remarkable thing about this passage is what was not said. What was not said. Because there is a question that is so obvious, that is so key, that when we read this passage, we just assume that the question was asked. But actually it wasn't. And you see, the question that we would ask, the question that we think in this passage must have been asked, was, why should I be baptised? That question's never asked. At no point does the Ethiopian, as the gospel is presented to him, as the truths are shared, at no point does he turn to Philip and say, why should I be baptised? There is this implicit Uh, an obvious assumption that for a Christian, baptism is just this natural event that happens as part of one coming to know Jesus. And so his question is, why shouldn't... In fact, his question is, what is there to stop me from being baptised? Isn't that an interesting question? What is there to stop me from being baptised? Now, I would suggest that this guy had a couple of good reasons. The first one's pretty obvious. He was in a desert. (laughs) He was in a desert. What is there to stop me from being baptised? Yeah, uh, I'm in Africa. There's not a lot of water around. I'm in a desert. I'll give the guy this one. No, no, no. What is there to stop me from being baptised? The fact I'm in a desert isn't sufficient. Um, he's kind of a, a, an important guy. He's kind of in charge of the treasury. He's, he's riding along in this chariot. Uh, and I, I kind of have this... I, I don't even know what's even, what this chariot would look like. I, I'm not a kind of Bible scholar to the extent... Was it an open chariot? Was it a covered chariot? You, you, I, I don't do that. I'm interested in the details, but let's not go there. But, but I have this picture of him kind of dressed in his finery, in his kind of robes of office. Think of the sort of mayor of Crawley or something, riding along in his limo. I kind of get that picture... So what is there to stop me being baptised? Well, well, I'm actually in my best bib and tucker. I haven't actually bought my tracksuit joggers to do this. And, you know, so this guy had some excuses, but his answer was, why should I not get baptised? And this morning, I do indeed want to ask and answer the question, Why do we get baptised? But I want to take a leaf of of wisdom out of this guy's book and actually start by looking at that question and asking, turning it around and saying, why don't we get baptised? Or probably what are the assumptions that we make that prevent us from being baptised as often or as quickly as we can? What are the wrong ideas that we have about baptism before we look at the right ideas? You see, one idea that uh, can be quite prevalent is that we become, or that we get baptised to become a Christian. Now, that's not the case. Baptism is something that happens to people that have already accepted Jesus into their life. Now, the period between becoming a Christian and being baptised can actually be quite long or quite short. 
and we can see some great extremes and differences here. The, the biblical principle, I think part of the reason why this story is actually in Scripture is to show us and remind us that the period between being saved and being baptised can be incredibly short. Believe and be baptised. Now, at the same time, we said here this morning that there are practicalities. There are things that we need to work out. Uh, We do want to baptise people at the right time, at the appropriate time, at an effective time. That's something we'll talk about in a moment. So it's not a case of you are baptised and in that instant, you you believe and in that instant you are baptised. But there is a principle that it, it can be that way. What is there to stop me being baptised? Scripture actually, I mean, I I love the story of the the thief on the cross in in Luke 23. Because we often have this, this picture that I have to do something for God, for God to bless me. We live in a very sort of transactional generation. Stuff costs. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And so, uh, If God's going to save me, if God's going to bless me, then I have to do some stuff. I have to come to church. I have to pray. I have to meet with other Christians. I have to be baptised. Now, God blesses us when we do those things, but our salvation isn't secured by us doing those things. Salvation is a free gift. It says in Ephesians, you have been saved by faith. It's a free gift of God that no one can boast. It's not of works so that no one can boast. My salvation is free. Now, the reason I like the thief on the cross is just just imagine him for a moment. If you don't know the story when Jesus was crucified, actually we've got the verse up there I think somewhere. Uh, When Jesus was crucified, there were two men that were crucified on either side of him, two thieves, and and one was uh, insulting him. Uh, The other man said to him, uh, we're being justly punished for our crimes. And he turned to Jesus and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I love this story for this reason. If our salvation were dependent on us doing something, think about the things that this guy hasn't done or never will do. He's never gone to church. He's never going to go to church. Never going to meet with another Christian. Never going to witness to a stranger on a bus in Crawley. Never going to take communion. The only prayer he's ever said is probably less than a sentence long. He's never going to get baptised. But Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, salvation is a free gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We just acknowledge Jesus as our saviour. And he gives us eternity as a free gift. And in response to that, we can be baptised. But we're not baptised to make us a Christian. That's one of the reasons actually why as a church here, as a family of churches, you won't see us baptising infants. You won't see us baptising babies. Because baptism is a conscious decision that someone makes in the same way as they make a conscious decision to follow Jesus. And once they've made that conscious decision to follow Jesus, they can be baptised. 
And we won't put an age limit on it, but it's like everything else. It's when can a person make that decision for themselves? Practically, and again, I'll just say practically, that normally means probably mid to early teens. I think if you're a child, I think, just me personally, because there's no instructions on this directly in Scripture, but personally, I think that if you're, you're a child at primary school, you're very much still governed by your parents' thoughts and actions and views. And there's this, as I know with my own kids, there's this kind of transition period where you suddenly take more and more independence and you're more and more capable to make decisions for yourselves and to stand as a person. And I've known children of maybe 14, 15 be baptised because they have been able to clearly articulate a personal faith but we wouldn't put an age limit on that, but we would say it's a, it's a direct response to a person's acknowledgement of Jesus as their saviour. So we don't become Christians, or we don't be baptised, or we aren't baptised to make us Christians. The main reason I think that, that we, we, we hold back on baptism, and that's true, I think, for most of us that have been baptised, even when I think back to the time when I was baptised, the reason that it took a little bit longer than it could have done was because I had this wrong perception that baptism is something that mature Christians do, whatever that means. That I can't be baptised until I know a little bit more, until I've completed my Alpha course, until I understand the theology of baptism, again, whatever that is. There's this viewpoint that, well, yeah, maybe I need to be in church for a year or so, or two years. Maybe I need to get my, the first star on my McDonald's badge that says I've now been a, a burger flipper for so long. I've now been in the church. Now I can think about what the second star is. Oh, maybe that's baptism. No, no, no. We keep coming back to this story of this Ethiopian who says, here is water. Why should, what is to stop me? from being baptised. My limited understanding will never be a reason to not be baptised. If I love Jesus, if I'm trusting him, if I'm following him, that's the only reason, that's the only encouragement I have. So why are we baptised? That's a really good question because if, if baptism doesn't make us a Christian, if baptism isn't an acknowledgement or a recognition of some level of maturity or long service or understanding, if baptism isn't something that the, the clever ones do, what, why do we get baptised? And what is achieved through our baptism? That's a good question. And uh, I think there's kind of three reasons, and that's hence why I've got three little bags down here. Because I've got three little visual props that are reasons why we should get baptised. Or not, not exactly reasons why we should get baptised. They're, they're three things that happen as a result of us being baptised. I've got to make sure I get them in the right order. So, so can I have a volunteer, please, to open my first goodie bag? I need a volunteer. Can somebody, or I'm going to pick on somebody if I don't get a volunteer. Uh, Okay, Emma uh, Thomason, come on. You, your hand went up. Thank you very much, my, my friend. This is your goodie. Well, it's not your. I need the goodie bag back. I need the contents back. But do you want to come up here and show people what's in the bag? What's in the bag? Oh, it's a phone. 
Thank you very much. I'm going to hang on to that. Give him a hand, thank you. I won't actually do anything more. Other people get asked to do dramas and act something out. No, that was fine. That, that worked. It's a phone. I was trying to try find one of those old phones, you know, the ones with the dial, and you guys won't remember this. You know what an old-style phone is? Because this is, I want you to imagine that this is not something that you play games on. It's not something you browse the internet with. It's not something that you text with. This is something that you actually put to your ear and you talk to people with. It's, it's what phones actually used to be many, many, many years ago. Uh, they, they pretty much do just about everything else now, apart from talk to people, but, but that's what phones were. So the reason I've got this phone here as a visual age of what happens with baptism is baptism is a means of witnessing of telling a story, of sharing good news, of saying, tap, 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 you'll never guess what has happened to me. Something remarkable has happened, and I want to share it with you. I want to tell you what has happened. And you see, baptism is a wonderful opportunity to witness to our faith, to witness to our faith. Think again for a moment about the, the, the Ethiopian in his carriage. It's one of those many stories in Scripture that, to my mind, ends too soon. I want to know what happens next, you see. Because, again, I, I have this crazy imagination, and I, and I have this picture of this guy who's been baptised, he's got back into his carriage, he's carried on on his journey, and he arrives at where he's going, and he's an important guy, so his kind of servants or his family come out. And what's the normal thing you say to somebody at the end of a good long journey? How was your journey? Did anything exciting happen? And I'm sorry, it's just my imagination. I have this picture of this guy who, even though he was dressed in his finery and his robes of office, he said, I'm going to be baptised anyway. So, so I think there's a holdall stuffed in the back of his carriage with his soggy robes of finery in. And he kind of dishes them out and gives them to his servants. And you say, can you get these dry clean for me? We had a bit of an accident along the way. But what an opportunity to witness, to tell the story. And when, you know, next time we baptise folks, I would have said this if we were baptising folks this morning, there is this wonderful window, this wonderful opportunity that opens up for you when somebody says, how was your weekend? Did anything interesting happen? What a chance to share the gospel. What a chance to say what has happened. I think it might have been um, uh, Ben and Hannah Drew who said this. They're part of our church. They're, they're working in Asia. Uh, they're working in parts of the world where it's actually quite difficult to be a Christian, where Christians are opposed, if not persecuted. Uh, and if it wasn't them that said it, forgive me, whoever did say it, it was a piece of good wisdom, so thank you for that. But they said something along the lines of, uh, people aren't necessarily persecuted when they become Christians. They're persecuted when they become baptised. Because you can actually pray a prayer of commitment and all heaven rejoices. God rejoices. That, that's the big deal. But actually, that can happen between you and God. So when you start sharing your faith with other people, that's when the opposition starts. It's when you publicly affirm 
what you have done, often through baptism. And that's when the people of other faiths that, that take that step of baptism do indeed face some opposition and challenge. Because baptism is a wonderful opportunity to witness. To witness. And it's great that sometimes a really good reason to actually wait for the appropriate time is to say, hey, we want to gather friends and family. We want you to invite people to your baptism. It's a golden opportunity to share the gospel. What? So how was your weekend? Did anything exciting happen? Okay, what's another uh, purpose or reason or outcome or uh, uh, result of being baptised? Can I have another volunteer, please? I've got another goodie bag down here. Tony, you're looking pretty anxious. Actually, Richard pointed at you. Is that allowed? Richard pointed at him. That, that was good. That's good enough for me. Yeah, Tony did nothing, but Richard, you can blame Richard. He actually pointed. Stand up right here, my friends. Uh, what's in this goodie bag? Show it up. Hold up. What do we got? Pack of batteries. Okay. Uh, they're, they're not the most powerful ones in the world. What are they? A stack of AAs. Oh, I was good. Oh, thanks, Tony. Give him a hand, a round of applause. <laughs> I, I did think for a moment, could I actually s- sort of try and secure a sort of a car battery? But I thought, well, they're a bit greasy and dirty, and I'm going to ruin someone's shirt if I actually hold it. But, but a battery. Uh, a battery. Uh, a battery obviously stands for power. Now, To really explain this, we need to dip into another passage of Scripture, to another baptism story, to actually the time when Jesus himself was baptised. I don't know if we got this one. It's in John chapter 3 and uh, around about uh, 13. Let me find the passage here. Yeah, John 3, 13 and 14. Fantastic. So so here we are, we're right back at the beginning of the Gospel. Uh, John has been baptising people in the River Jordan. Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet, but Jesus, as we read here in this passage, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptised by him. Now John is a clever bloke, okay? John knows how the world works, and actually John's pretty clicked on because he knows who Jesus is. Jesus hasn't started ministering yet, but John knows that Jesus has come from God. He, he's, he's going to have an important message for the world. So John asks this, I think, incredibly pertinent and sensible question. John says, or John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptised by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so for now. Because you see, John realised that in all honesty, the one person in the world that probably didn't need to be baptised for the repentance of their sins, because that's what John's baptism was, it was a way that people could ask God to forgive them, for the things that they had done wrong, John recognised that the one person that actually didn't need to say, I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong, was actually the one person who had never done anything wrong. So John quite rightly says, why? Why should I baptise you? And actually it's a pretty good question for us to ask. Why did John baptise Jesus? Here's the Jesus who's who's the Son of God, who's God Himself come to earth. 
Why, oh why, did he need to be baptised? The batteries kind of give it away. It's because one of the things that happens when we baptise people, we pray for them also to be baptised in the Holy Spirit to be filled with power. Now, Jesus himself needed to be filled with power because what happened after Jesus' baptism? If you read on in the story, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and there he was tempted by Satan. Satan, the devil, came to him with various tricks and various offers and asked him to renounce who he was and he would give him various riches and various acknowledgements. And what we have to remember in this story is it's part of the, the miracle, the, the fact that one of the things that we as humans will never fully grasp, but part of the nature of Jesus, that yes, he was fully God, but at the same time, he was fully man. He had all the limitations of a man. And so going into the wilderness for 40 days, he would have been hungry, he would have been thirsty, he would have been tired, he would have been in a tough place physically. And there he's tested, and there he's challenged. And so as he's baptised, he's filled again, and we can be filled again with power, so that he can stand and resist. And again, if, if we had folks that were being baptised this morning, I would say the weeks ahead are going to be probably tough weeks. Because that's when there will be opposition. That's where there will be challenge. That's where there may be even tough questions when people say, why did you do that? How can you do that? And we need to be filled and we need to keep praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with power, to work in signs and wonders and miracles and to know in a very special and a very personal way that they are part of God's family. Power to witness, power to declare the truth, power to hang on to the things that we believe in. Wow. I've got one last bag here. I'm going to pick the person who's going to come and get this. Uh, he knows who it is already. Steve, you need to come and get this. Yeah, because it's not, it's not my prop, it's your prop, and I, I need to give it back to him, okay? So do you want to come and take this last goodie bag and show us what's in there? Uh, I think we ought to say it's probably not going to fit either of us because it's Kaz's, but it came from you, didn't it? So it's a little bit small. But, so what have we got there? We got a football shirt. Well, it's, it's close enough. Is it, is it a football shirt or is it a hockey shirt? It's a Crawley Town. You can't say I, I scrimp on the, on the visual, visual aid here. Can I? Yeah, we need to hold it up. We need to do that because seriously, I, I, I'm not really a football fan myself, but I do watch the news. And one of the things I've known, no, come back here, you don't get, get away so lightly. You're, you're, the, you're the lead pastor. You've you got to act a bit more. Um, one of the things I've noticed that, that when footballers change teams... What's kind of the first picture that's taken? They, they normally hold a club shirt, don't they? Yeah? Click. So-and-so, he's no longer wearing the blue shirt. He's now wearing the red. That's about my extent of football knowledge. But there you go. So hold it up. So there you go. You've, you've, tr you've changed teams. Yeah? And we have that photo. Thank you. Take that back. Give it to Kaz. Thank her for borrowing it. Now, yes, and thank you very much. Now, what does that symbolise? Well, what, is, what was the reason 
for the footballers having their photo taken with that shirt, with the new team colours. What they're doing when they do that is they're saying, I've changed sides. I've changed allegiance. I'm not playing for those guys anymore. I'm playing for these guys. This is where my loyalty is. This is where my affiliation is. This is where my commitment is. These are the this is the team that I'm now part of. And so it's all about identity. Because when we are baptised, we're identifying with the new team that we're playing for. We're identifying with Jesus. And more importantly, we're identifying with the church and everything that it stands for. Um, forgive me if, if English is not your first language. We have some rather interesting old sayings in English. But there is a saying that we have uh, of nailing your colours to the mast. Have you heard that? Nailing your colours to the mast. And in centuries ago, when uh, ships used to go into battle, they needed to, de to declare which side they were on. Again, I'm sure Mark and Julie will correct me on, the, on my nautical terms, but to me, a boat looks a bit like a boat. It's a bit like a football team looks like a football team. You know? uh, a boat's a boat. You kind of need to know who's on what side. So what the guys used to do is they used to run with these colourful flags. And when they were going into battle, they actually nailed them to the mast so that one side could see who's on our side and who are the guys that we kind of need to point our cannons to. So, so what we're doing here through baptism, as we hold up our shirt, as we go down into the water, we're saying, I identify with a new team. I'm nailing my colours to the mast. And it's not just that we, uh, we, we witness. We've kind of covered that point already with the mobile phone. But, but we actually say something as profound as, I'm following in the footsteps of Jesus himself. I identify with him so, I want to identify with him so closely that I want to follow his journey. And just as he died, so I die and go into the water. And just as he was raised to life, so I am raised up out of the water to a newness of life. And just as he promised me eternal life with him, so again, I can declare that through my baptism. I should really say that I could have made a much shorter sermon out of this. I don't know if anybody says, yeah, 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 you could have done. Um, I could have done and made a much shorter sermon by simply saying, why do we get baptised? And the answer is because Jesus says, get baptised. <laughs> the verse is, repent and be baptised. And frankly, for Christians, that should be enough. That genuinely, honestly, absolutely should be enough. When Jesus says, repent and be baptised. We actually probably don't need to ask the whys and the wherefores. I've kind of given you the whys and the wherefores, but take them as a bonus. Again, let me take you back to, the, to this guy in his carriage. Again, if I'd written Acts 8, it would be so much longer. There's so much in this story that I would want to put. That's why I didn't write it. Why God wrote it. He knows what's right. But, but, but I love to tease out these details. I, I kind of, we're not told what Philip said to him, are we? 
It's one of those kind of sermons you, you kind of want kind of recorded on sound card. But oh yeah, we didn't have sound card back in the zero century AD. Maybe we'll get that sermon when we get to heaven. Maybe that be in God's library of previous sermons. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of hoping there's a fairly big backlog there, back library that we can access. Um, I always want to hear the sermon of on the road to Emmaus. You know that story when, when the disciples are walking just after Jesus has been crucified. I go all over the place tonight. I'm, I'm sorry you bear with me on this one. But Jesus has been crucified and the disciples, they don't know what's happening. They're kind of in a bit of a daze, they're walking, they're going to Emmaus, and suddenly Jesus, by his Spirit, is with them, walking with them. They don't recognize them. His, his, his character is disguised enough miraculously and spiritually, so he's just another guy to them. And he asks them where, where they're at, what's going on. They say, oh, Jesus has been crucified. We don't understand. And then there's just this giveaway verse in Scripture that says, and starting with the prophets, he explained why all these things needed to happen. I want that sermon. <laughs> I want that sermon. I don't want to be told in one verse this sermon happened. Oh, I want it. I trust it's on that God's back catalogue up in heaven that we can access when we get there. But, but, but coming back to this guy, this is one of those. Because I want to know what Philip said to him. Because if we preach the gospel, if we share out the truth with someone, we probably don't start with Isaiah. That's a bit of a toughie to kick off with, isn't it? If we're going to share the gospel, we might as well start, we'll probably start with Mark's gospel. Oh yeah, that hadn't been written yet. Um, maybe when we're confronted with this guy with some difficult questions, we can send him on an alpha course. Oh yeah, that don't exist yet either. So, so Philip's kind of on a, a bit of a toughie. He's got to start with Isaiah and kind of join the dots from A to Z and somehow present the gospel from here. I want to know how he did it, but I'm not told. But I have a sneaky feeling, I have this personal sneaky feeling that what Philip didn't do was what I've just done. I don't think Philip got up into the carriage and very, well, I'll say cleverly, go with me on that one, very cleverly expounded the doctrine of baptism. Thank you, Mr. Ethiopian eunuch. Thank you for your pertinent questions from Isaiah. Let me present you with three reasons not to get baptised and three reasons to get baptised. I don't think that was the sermon that the Philip preached to the Ethiopian. I think he shared the truth about Jesus, about who Jesus was, and the guy might have said, so what do I do? And, Jesus, and Philip said, repent and be baptised. And they're walking through a desert, or they're driving through a desert, and the guy's in all his finery, and he's got important meetings to go to. He's got important things to do. He's in charge of the treasury. He's probably on the clock. And as he passes this oasis, he says, here is water. What is stopping me from getting baptized? See, we don't need the theology. Theology's good, but we don't need the theology. Dan Danny made this point so well last week. At the end of the day, what do we want to do? We just want to make disciples. We just want to say, hey, love Jesus, follow Jesus. Everything else will fall into a place if you're doing that. Theology is a good one. That will come as a bonus. That's not bad. But hey, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. So if you're a Christian this morning and you've not been baptized, that's the very simple question for you this morning. What is stopping you? being baptized what is stopping you being baptized 
Whatever reason you have, can I say with all humility, with all honesty, I think this guy could have come up with bigger reasons to not get baptised. What is stopping you from being baptised? If this morning you're not a follower of Jesus, then for you, that's where this journey starts. We need to introduce you to, to, to Jesus, the Son of God who came to take away our sins, who came to give us new life, who came to redeem us, who came to show us how our lives are meant to be. That's the journey that you're on. But as I said, very first thing this morning, that period between accepting Jesus into your life and being baptised can be as short as, it can, as possible. Repent and be baptised. We're going to close there. I think we've got time for one more song. Just as we do that, can I really encourage you uh, if you need prayer this morning, if you want to accept Jesus into your life, if you want to become a Christian, then please come either to the front or speak to somebody that you know is a Christian who brought you this morning. If you're someone who knows that, hey, I'm not baptised yet, and, and actually God's pointing the finger at me, then hey, there, there's, no, there's, no, there's no pressure. There is a pressure. There's a, but, but hey, we just want to, to honour God. I want you to honour God. So if you're feeling, hey, I need to get baptised, then again, please come and speak to us. Come and speak to one of the elders. Come and speak to Steve. Uh, just say, hey, just uh, what's stopping me? What's stopping me? We always want to take opportunity to pray for people. So if you need healing for this morning, if you need prayer for anything that's not in any way related to anything that I've said, hey, that's still on the cards. If you want prayer this morning, then grab someone or come to the front and pray. But guys, have we got time for one more song and then we'll close. Thank you.